This is Solid Foundation Ministries with Dr. Pierre Couvert, building solid foundations through sound Bible teaching. Welcome back to Solid Foundation Ministries. Recently, I shared a thought-provoking video exploring the musings of an old preacher. Today, I want to share the audio from that video with all of you. In this modern age, it seems that old things are often dismissed and forgotten, finding their resting place in antique stores and museums. Sadly, this trend has gone beyond material possessions and seeped into the fabric of our society, affecting the way we approach life and, more significantly, how we value the wisdom of older generations. In the video, I delve into my own thoughts on this matter and why I believe it is important to shift our attitude toward the old ways. This departure from traditional practices began over a century ago when the notion of bigger is better took hold. We started believing that the more people we could gather and the larger our churches became, the more successful we would be in our pursuit of God's work. At first glance, this concept appears admirable and holds a glimmer of truth, but it should not be the ultimate goal guiding our actions in the service to God. You see, God has graciously bestowed upon us His divine instructions within His Word. He expects us to diligently follow and adhere to them. Our true purpose lies in aligning ourselves with His will, not in pursuing uh, numbers and superficial measures of success. There's no lack of effort in the majority of Bible-believing churches. Their commitment and dedication are commendable. However, when we look at the outcomes of our labor, we must admit that it often falls short of the transforming power we see in the pages of the New Testament. We are called to be more than just busy, more than just going through the motions. God desires a genuine, heartfelt devotion from us. He longs for a community that reflects the love, compassion, and power found in the early church. The book of Acts serves as a vivid reminder of the extraordinary impact that we uh, can achieve when we fully embrace the teachings of Christ and the Holy Spirit. It's time for us to reevaluate our approach We must humbly reassess our priorities and shift our focus from worldly measures of success to spiritual growth in our church members. Our efforts should be centered on cultivating a deep connection with God, seeking His guidance, and faithfully living out His teaching in our daily lives. Let us not neglect the wisdom and experience of those who have gone before us. The older generation has much to offer us, and their insights can provide valuable guidance as we navigate the complexities of our modern world. As we move forward in our spiritual journey, let us remember that it's not the grandeur of our churches or the number of followers that truly matters. What matters is our unwavering commitment to God's truth, our dedication to serving others with selflessness and compassion, and our genuine pursuit of spiritual transformation. May we find the courage to challenge the status quo, to break free from modern trends, and to embrace the timeless wisdom that lies within the old ways. Together, let us seek to build Christians and churches rooted in the unchanging principles of God's Word. Now listen as I play the audio from that uh, video. I want to go over the 
musings of an old preacher. What are musings? Well, to muse means to ponder or think or meditate on something for a long time. And these are some things that I want to talk about that I've been thinking about for a long time. Uh, there's another word that's very similar to that. It's just got an A in front of it. It's amuse. And amuse means not to think. When amuse was first used in the English language in the 15th century, it meant to deceive or to cheat. Over time, uh, the meaning of, of uh, amuse in English has come to mean being distracted or amused, something to get your mind off of things. And it basically is to keep you from thinking. People go to uh, great lengths to be amused so they don't have to think of the problems that they're having today. And this is something that, that really bothers me. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4, we're told that in the end times, people will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And that's what this is all about. Even entertainment is just another version of this word amuse. And it's something that we need to realize. It's keeping our minds off of things. And we don't go to church to be amused. We go to church to be taught the things of God. One thing that I think is really lacking in our modern churches today is the fact that um, we put so much emphasis on soul winning in church. Soul winning is important. I've said this many times. In church, the important thing is growing the saints, giving the saints the instruction and the tools they need to go out into the world and reach the lost. And until we get back to doing that, we're not going to see the results we should see. That includes, by the way, living a holy life. When I was young, I used to love to sit around and listen to the older people talk, people with gray hair like I have now. And I now qualify. I'm 82 years old, so I qualify as an older person. I don't feel like an older person. My grandkids say I don't act like an older person. I used to listen to them, and I learned from the wisdom that they'd gained over the years. You know, they'd been further down the road than I had. They'd seen the hazards. They'd seen the good things and the bad things, and they knew how they affected you. That's not the way it is today. Over the past week or two, it's been brought to my attention that uh, the younger generations taken uh, equate old with either a museum or an antique store. And that's not just items. That's not just like uh, the old toys that I used to play with versus the new toys they play with and everything. It's not just that. It's not just old furniture versus new furniture. It's old people versus younger people. They think everything has to be changed. They can't even name their children the same way we name them. They don't name them after uh, other family members that, that they look up to like they used to. They don't uh, spell their names in the ordinary way. In our church, we've got several uh, women and girls whose name is Kayla. And not one of them is spelled the same. And one of them's name is spelled, it's about that long the way it's spelled. And you have to really, really concentrate on what's written there to get the, not criticizing the girl's name. What I'm saying is everything has to be new. If it's not new, if it's more than 30 years old, it's bad. I'd like to point out something, folks. Even Jesus, the wisest man that ever walked on the face of this earth because he was God and had the wisdom of God, even far wiser than Solomon, he didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old. But over the last two years, I've been, or two weeks, I mean, I have been uh, brought face to face with the fact that I sound old. 
I had one uh, radio preacher that I know who said that if he ever gets to where he sounds old, and he had just finished saying that I sounded old, but if he ever gets to where he sounds old, that he's going to quit. Why? There are some good things about being old. Uh, listen to what the Bible says on it. Here, here's one. It's, it's uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 31. It says, The hoary head is a crown of glory, if it be found in the way of righteousness. So what is that? Excuse me. What is that telling us? It's telling us that if somebody has walked in righteousness with the Lord for a lot of years, that their experience is going to teach them some things, and they deserve honor and glory for it. They, be, they should be honored, which is what the word glory means, because they have that experience. I've had the occasion recently to talk to some of the younger people. Uh, they're adults. They're not in high school or anything like this anymore, but they're, they're younger. And, and I tell them things that I've learned from my experience, and they just totally dismiss it. Because it's not the way we do it today. It's not the new thing. Uh, this gray hair up here cost me something. I went through a lot of experiences. Now, uh, uh, here's something else. Another verse, rather. Job chapter 32, verse 7. Uh, it says, I said, days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. Don't you think that we learn something the longer we live? Don't you think that the older people have learned? Don't you, think I, don't you think I've made some mistakes? Don't you think you've made some mistakes if you're older? Of course you have. Did you learn from them? We usually learn more from our mistakes than we do from our successes. And we need to get to the point where we realize that older people, those who've been further down the road than we have, know more and have more wisdom than we do, at least should have. It says uh, that they teach wisdom. The years do. We don't judge the things of God. We don't judge the Bible. We don't judge what God wants and what God expects by experience. However, we do learn from experience. We learn that walking in the precepts of, uh, precepts of God makes us better servants of God. It makes our lives better. It, it, it improves things. We learn that when we deviate from God's principles, that it costs us something. I can think of some of the mistakes I made early on in my ministry, and I'll tell you something. They cost me a lot. A lot of other people were hurt because I made those mistakes. That wisdom because of experience. We don't judge the things of God by experience, but we, the experience teaches us that the things of God do work and that they are right and that we should follow them. We learn that there are consequences from violating God's principles. There are real serious consequences. We see them all around us today. Look at the sad condition of Christianity today. I can tell you from experience that I know the reason we have all the problems we have today is because we have departed from God's way of doing things. We don't do them the same way as we used to. Those of you who are younger, you need to learn to listen to those who are older. If you've got somebody in your family or in your church that's been a Christian a long time and they're older and they're, they're, they're mature Christians, they know more than you do. Listen to what they say. Does it mean they're always right? Because they're not. I'm not always right. Nobody's always right except God. But it means they have experience that you can learn from.
I remember my grandparents, who were not Christians, uh, taught me things by just listening to them that kept me out of trouble as I got older, kept me from doing things. I always put it this way. I make enough mistakes of my own. It's nice to be able to avoid those that they made. But uh, we can learn some good things. And, And when somebody tells you, hey, listen, this is the way we're doing things, but here's the consequences you're going to see if you do it, change it and do it the Bible way, you should listen to them. That's something we should always listen to anyway, no matter whether it's somebody older or younger. Um, in Job chapter 12 and verse 12, it says, With the ancient is wisdom and length of days and understanding. Uh, for the most part, older people, because they've been further down the road than you have, and there are those older than me, even as ancient as I am, that have been further down the road, And we can learn from them because they have experience with the things of God and understanding how they all fit together and how they all work. Let's not dismiss the old people. Old people have have been chastised by God. Here's another verse. Let's listen to it. It's Psalms chapter 34, verse 11. It says, Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. You know, the number one thing that's missing in our world today is the fear of God. There's no fear of God. And I'm not talking about that lost world out there. I'm talking in Christian circles. There's no fear of God. We violate regularly the principles of God. We don't do our soul winning the way they did it in the New Testament. Oh, we try and justify it and find scriptures we think we can twist it into. But if you look at the way they did it, it's not the way we do it. The message is presented as the same message is just not presented in the same way. For example, we go out and tell people that that, uh, they need to be saved because they're sinners. We don't tell them what it means to be a sinner. We don't tell them who God is and why he uh, is justified in condemning us if we don't uh, come to him for salvation and receive the forgiveness of sin that comes with it. We say, God loves you and all he wants is good for you. And that's true. But that doesn't motivate people to fully trust in God. I'm going to step on some toes here. I debated whether or not to say this, but I think I'm going to go ahead and say it. But there are some of you out there who God has blessed you with children. Some who didn't think they could have children, and then God blessed them with children anyway. And he blessed you with children. And instead of raising your children the Bible way by the mother being in the home, raising the children, the mother wants to go out and work so you could have bigger things bigger cars, fancier cars, two really nice cars, a a bigger, fancier house. You know, we've only had one car all of our life. We've been married 61 years, my wife and I. We'll have one car. And you know, we've got by just fine with it. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have two cars. But if the mother has to work so you can have all these things, so you can pay your bills, there's something wrong. And what they do is they farm their children out to somebody else to raise them. One thing that has been shocking to us since we moved to this part of the country, and it's true elsewhere, but just not to the same degree, is how many grandmothers are raising their grandchildren. Folks, grandmothers are not supposed to be raising their grandchildren. They're supposed to be able to spoil them a little bit. I mean, I love spoiling my grandkids. I love spoiling my great-grandkids. Mom and dad are supposed to raise them, not your grandmother, or not the daycare center, or not the school. It's our responsibility. 
Older people have been chastised and learned to fear God, and they'll teach you to fear God if you listen to what they have to say. And it's important that you do listen to what the older people have to say. Now, if they say something that's wrong, if you say something that when it comes out of the wash, you compare it with the scriptures or something, and it's wrong, you still can learn from it by listening to what they say. If somebody comes along and they and they tell you, for example, uh, you can lose your salvation, which the Bible teaches that you can't. You're kept by the power of God, not by your own power. And the life you get is eternal life. It's And if, uh, we call it also, or the Bible calls it also, everlasting life. And I always say this, if, it's, if it ever stops lasting, it was never everlasting. So we get everlasting life. We're in God, Christ's hands and he's in God's hands and we can't. We can't lose it. But somebody comes along and they give you scriptural reasons why they believe you can lose your, your salvation. It's your job to listen to what they say because they may have something you've never heard before. They may have something I've never heard before. And then you have to go to the scriptures and check it out. Now, if they're wrong, you don't follow what they say, but you learn from having listened to them. And if they're right on something, for example, uh, I keep telling people that you don't have to pray a prayer to be saved. If you can show me somebody in the Bible who prayed a prayer to get saved, then I'll change my mind on this. And no one has ever been able to. Well, they'll take me to the uh, the Pharisee and the publican, but the publican wasn't praying for salvation. He was praying to his God that he already believed in, which means he was saved, and uh, uh, asking him to forgive him as a sinner. That's 1 John 1, 9. But anyway, just to to get back on subject a little bit here, we need to learn to listen to those who've been further down the road. And we can learn from young people. My pastor is almost half my age. And I go to him and I ask him questions and I learn from him. So we learn from one another. It's not that we shouldn't listen to the younger generation. It's that we should listen to the older generation and we've gotten away from that. That's the sense of what I'm trying to say here. Uh, listening or hearkening, uh, as uh, it says there in Psalm uh, uh, 3411, I think I quoted, but just, I quoted it, but just let me do it again. It says, come, you little children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. We're to hearken. That means listen hard. Listen with the intent of learning. And, and don't think that everything has to be new. Everything does not have to be new. Listen to this passage from Jeremiah. It says, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Also I set a watchman over you, saying, Hearken uh, to the sound of the trumpet. But we, uh, but they say, We will not hearken. See, there are people out there that are warning, people like me who are warning of the deviation, but I'm not alone. There are others like this. And and nobody's listening, and it's breaking our hearts. And that's why I'm doing this musing, talking about things that I've been thinking about. I've been churning around in my head and in my heart for, for quite a long time. Uh, you know, we're to stand in the ways of God. We're not to change. You go read the old saints that, that suffered and died for their faith. We're so afraid today that if we stand firmly for something and if we're dogmatic about something, it's going to offend somebody. Well, let me tell you a little little secret, just to remove all your fears. If you stand firm for anything, it will offend other people. I'm not talking about if you stand firm against homosexuality, if you stand firm for 
homosexuality. Either way, you're going to offend somebody. And here's something that you must remember. The truth always, without exception, offends error. Always. There are no exceptions to that. So we're to seek the old past. Why? Because that's the good way. In the first century, from the resurrection of Christ to the statement in the scriptures that says, uh, uh, those that have turned the world upside down have come here also. That period of time is about 25 years, roughly. Don't hold me down to the exact year, but it's roughly 25 years. And in 25 years, they had the reputation of turning the world upside down. Let me ask you this. Does your church have the reputation of turning your neighborhood upside down? Not the world, just your neighbor, just the area around where your church is. Does it? Probably not. Uh, if it is, it's a very exceptional church. You know what they didn't have? They didn't have, they couldn't do what I'm doing right now. They couldn't put it up on the internet because the internet didn't exist. They didn't have YouTube. Uh, they didn't have radio broadcasts. They didn't have airplanes where they could fly to a foreign country in a, in a few hours. They didn't have uh, uh, the, the, even the ships that we have where it could take you a week to cross the ocean, where in their ships it took you two months to cross the ocean. When the pilgrims came from Europe to America, it took them as much as two months, depending on the winds and how they blew and everything else. They didn't have all the advantages we do. Didn't have radio, TV, all this stuff. They didn't have it. Yet in 25 years, they had a reputation of turning the world upside down. Don't you think something's wrong? Don't you think we should go back to the old paths the way they did it and see if it would work? I guarantee you it would. I know. I tried it in our church when I was pastoring up in Bellingham, and it had a profound effect on our church. Not just on the fact that the church grew. It didn't grow as fast as some of these churches that are supposedly winning 150 souls every other day. Uh, I'm exaggerating a bit there, but uh, I know churches that, that uh, claim they win 50 souls to the uh, Lord a week and the church doesn't grow. Something's wrong with that. Or I know uh, of a church that said they won 200 souls to the uh, Lord every year, and I had known that church for a period of about 10 years before I left the area and lost contact with them. And the church, when I started having a relationship with the church, I wasn't, I wasn't a member of the church. I just was a friend of the pastor and the church was running 200. 10 years later, supposedly 2000 souls won to the Lord. Guess how many people the church was running? 200. Something's wrong with that. We need to go back to the old ways where we get people saved, we get them into the church, and we grow them, we teach them. See, the Great Commission has three parts, not just one. The Great Commission says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So we're to go out and teach all nations who God is, what he expects, teach the scriptures, and bring people to Christ. That's evangelism. It's one part of the Great Commission. Baptizing them. What is the baptizing? Baptism is the door into the local New Testament church. It's where you bring the person into the church. They, they commit themselves, uh, give a testimony of their of their salvation and 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 a picture of the gospel and what they what's happened inside. And they come into the church. And they become part of the church. And then comes the third part. Third part. I'll get right here in a minute. Uh, and the third part is teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you. All things. I, I didn't quote it right, but it's just all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, folks, listen to me very carefully. All things 
as I've heard many preachers say, is not go out and reach the lost. That's one thing, and we are to teach that, and we are to do that. But it's also holy living. It's also how to worship God. It's also how to stand up in difficult times, and we're living in perilous times right now, and we need the ammunition and the tools and the strength and the shields and the all the things we need in order to stand in these difficult times, and it's going to get harder and harder as time goes on. You know, the results we see in our evangelism today is not what we think it should be, and we're right. It is not what it should be. So what do the younger Christians today do to try and find a solution to that problem? They say, well, let's find a new way of reaching people. It's calmed down a little bit from where it was back in the 1970s when I came into Baptist circles. I mean, I don't see too many youth directors swallowing goldfish or the churches trying to have the biggest pizza or the biggest hot dog or omelet or whatever it was that they had to attract people. But we still use things. I mean, a lot of churches are using contemporary Christian music to draw a crowd. You don't draw a crowd to spiritual things with worldly music. You draw a crowd by preaching the word of God clear and true. And remember this, the Bible says God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The solution to the problems that we're having today in Christianity, and therefore the problems we're having in the world today and in our nation today, are the fact that we have lost the fear of God. We think we can change God's word and say, make it say things it doesn't say or just make up a new version that says what we want it to say. I mean, I have yet to see one person who doesn't stand on the King James, one person, one preacher, who doesn't stand on the King James, who stands only on another version. I have no friends or acquaintances or knowledge of anyone. There's probably some out there, but I don't know them. And I know a lot of people uh, that will say, okay, I don't like the King James, but I like whatever version they like. And that will be my standard for everything. Every single one of them that I know that uh, uses other versions other than the King James goes and finds the version that says what he wants it to say. So he becomes the judge instead of the word of God being the judge. Did you know that every modern version I've looked at says you're not saved, you're only in the process of being saved? Every one I've looked at. Do you think that's important? I'm glad that I am saved. I know I'm going to heaven. When Christ comes back and catches him out of the air, if I'm still alive, I'm going up with him. If I die before that, he's going to come and angels are going to come just like he did to uh, Lazarus. He's going to carry my soul to the presence of God and I'll be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever again. I know that. I'm not in the process of it. If I was in the process, then something could happen to, to, uh, uh, to change that. Now, folks, this is just kind of a, a little bit of a rant, a little bit of musing, a little bit of saying some of the things that are on my heart. And they're things that motivate me. There are very few people since we've moved to North Carolina that really know us. Well, they know who we are. They know some things about us. But they, there are very few people that know what motivates me and my family, what makes us stand where we stand and uh, do the things that we do. I'm just trying to help you people understand a little bit who, who I am and my family's right there with me. Let's understand, folks. And here's the thing. Some of the things I say might sound harsh, but they're not. What I'm trying to get across to you is God's word is right. 
all the time, in all times, and in every single situation. There are no exceptions. God's word is always, always right. Just an old preacher who has seen a lot of things over the years, has seen a change in Christianity and in fundamental Baptists uh, over the years. Uh, I mean, I've been a Christian for, what, 65 years, and I've seen a change, and it breaks my heart. But I'm just trying to get you to understand why it's happening and that there is something we can do about it. Let's just get back to the Word of God. Make it our standard for everything. I know a lot of people say uh, the Bible is our sole authority for faith and, faith and practice. Yeah, it is. And everything else, too. It's our authority for things like science. You know, they used to think the world was flat. The Bible always said it was round. There's more scientific evidence for creation than there is for evolution. As a matter of fact, there's none for evolution. There's just some interpretations of some things that they want to make it that way. I'll go on and on forever. I'm going to close this out for now, and I'll be back with you hopefully uh, this next week with, with something new. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Solid Foundation Ministries from Lenore, North Carolina. Dr. Kuvert has 35 years in the ministry as a former missionary and pastor. He is available for revivals and various conferences on missions, Bible, Baptist Heritage, and the family. To find out more, go to our website, solidfoundationministries.com, or call 828-244-6505. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's about God receiving the glory.